Blog Talk Radio. The D-backs go on a wild ride in Tampa, and the freight train is back on the tracks at Chase Field. Hello, Diamondback Nation. Welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. My name is Blake, joined tonight by my co-host, Chris. Hope all of you are having a very fantastic night. Diamondback's currently playing the Braves right now, but we got this podcast going on. We're going to have some fun tonight. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, too. Uh, especially after last, last night's game. Uh, I mean, well, that was... We'll, we'll get into it later, but game, games like that is, is you know... It's it's more than just than just a, a comeback like you know three two uh, walk off win. It's it's it just really gives the team so much more momentum, especially you know he had all the out of motion. David Peralta's bat flip t- game tying home run, and all that. It's it's those games that you remember for the, throughout the entire season instead of just a regular, you know, uh, regular three two win. But anyway, yeah, uh, this past week at D-backs baseball, um, there's there's some, some good to to take and some bad to take uh, also. But I would say the good definitely outweighs the bad. Um, we're going to go over kind of just a recap in general. And we'll also give you updates on that uh, Braves-Dimebacks game, which uh, the Dimebacks have actually now tied in the top of the seventh. It's, it's one-to-one currently. Um, but, yeah, we're just going to go through kind of um, – well, also, yeah, uh, um, well, we got some stuff to talk about here. It was first that Rocky series. The Diamondbacks did end up they did end up taking two or three, but it definitely should have been a, a clean sweep. Uh, Chris, if you just want to talk to me about talk to the audience about the, that last game on Sunday. All right, so we ended up losing this game eight to seven, and it's definitely a game we should have taken pretty easily. I think we we had all the momentum, and Granky was pitching that game, and uh, he didn't do that great, but. He, uh, he didn't do terrible either. Would offense produced enough runs, and Bradley had a very bad outing, giving up four four earned runs and five runs, and not getting a single out. And he ended up getting the loss in that game. But mm. it just kind of we put up a lot of runs. It's just when you're pitching and your bullpen can't get any outs and gives up five runs, it's hard to win games, especially when we should have had a clean sweep. Yeah. I mean, anytime you score seven runs in a major league game, even if you are in course field and all that, you should be able to win that game. You you should not be giving up. You should not be giving up eight runs a game or anything like that. Uh, yeah, Diamondbacks were up seven to three in that in that uh, bottom of the eighth inning, and then uh, Archie Bradley came in and it just it just did not go well. Ryan Tapia had a three-run triple to tie it, and then after they brought Andrew Chafin in, there was a uh, go-ahead single was all they needed to do the trick. Diamondbacks could not come back in the ninth and. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Um, but the thing is with that, it's like, yeah, sure, Archie Bradley had a bad outing, but then you see all these people on, on Instagram and on Twitter saying to get rid of him. I don't think they really understand like how – obviously, they're probably just exaggerating because they're frustrated, but I don't think they really understand how baseball works. Like, yeah, sure, Archie Bradley might not be having the, the most insane season and everything like that, but 
I mean, he was the our number one overall draft pick from, I believe it was 2014. I don't think you just cut a guy for one bad outing, especially in Coors Field. And, like, I, I'm sure he'll get it work together. And but, and I'm sure I, I understand why they're frustrated. I was pretty mad, too. But, I mean, yeah, you don't just you, you don't just release a guy after one bad outing. It's going to happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kind of been struggling a lot the past few years, but he's been looking pretty decent through that the uh, start of the year. So hopefully mm-hmm. he can keep pitching well. Yeah. I mean, not like on Sunday. Yeah, well, 2017 is, is kind of what put him on the map where he had that breakout year. Actually, it's a fun fact. He finished 20th in, in the National League MVP voting for, for that year as, as a relief pitcher, not even a closer. So that was that was, that was a really fun year to see. I mean, I, I just remember the – when he came in during a wild card game, bro, people they they were so hype. It was it was really fun to see. But yeah, he did actually fire th- uh, three scoreless innings uh, in a in a uh, series finale in Tampa Bay. So we'll get into that more. But yeah, I th- I think Archie's is is going to be fine. I don't think he's really in, running into that big. Uh, there's not like, you know, he he can still get outs. I don't think there's a huge cause of concern. Obviously, you like him to to work on that on that uh, knuckle curve, and obviously you, you would. I uh, love for him to to maybe develop a third pitch down the road, maybe a changeup or something in there. But yeah, I mean he's been he's been one of our, our probably our best reliever over the past few years. Um, even with kind of the off season last year, his stats still weren't that bad. Yeah, now we're gonna get, get into the series opener: Diamondbacks losing this one t- twelve to one against in to and Tropicana Field. Um, yeah, this game was tough, especially off of the. Tough game on Sunday when they barely lost, but off of a bullpen really blowing it, really just Bradley blowing it. But we were only able to put up uh, one run, and uh, Clark didn't pitch too bad. Six innings, only two runs given up in his first major league start. Then Hirano came in and gave up three runs. Oh, uh, um, yeah, Hirano came in and gave up three runs, and I'm looking at the wrong game. This yeah, this is the Merrill Kelly start. Yeah, this yeah, my bad. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah this, this is Merrill Kelly start, and uh, yeah, he struggled giving up seven runs, and Godley struggled too, and really every pitcher struggled, even the position players we had pitched. Yeah, it yeah, John Ryan Murphy, he's been he's been getting some innings out there this year, but um, yeah, well, obviously this was Merrill Kelly's. Merrill Kelly used to be a prospect in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. He used to be a pitcher for them, and I saw an article that he actually left Tampa Bay to go to Korea because he was one out of Tampa Bay because he really was he was he was just blocked right there with all the the starters they had back in the day like Chris Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi. He just wasn't going to get any major league time, so he went to Korea. Put and he put I think I don't know if he spent three or four years in there, but he had put together a solid few years there, and he got himself a two year deal with Diamondbacks, and now he's starting games. So obviously there was some added. I, I, either motivation or pressure. There was obviously some emotions going behind that because that he kind of that was the team that kind of uh, developed him, and then he left them for Korea. So that could have just been a, a psychological thing where he, where why he didn't uh, pitch very well. But also, I mean, the Rays just have a really really good team. He uh, they got guys like Tommy Pham who is a is he, I think he's a sleeper for the MVP. You got guys like Avisael Garcia, guys like Brandon Lau. All these guys, uh, Joey Wendell, Yandy Diaz, Daniel Robertson. Every, it's kind of like the, the Diamondbacks. They don't have like sure they don't have that one like superstar. They don't have a Christian Yelich on their team, but Braves and Diamondbacks similar. They are both uh, 
you know, one one to eight and, and sometimes one to nine, the that whole lineup is just extremely solid and everyone's producing. I mean, you don't see a guy, you don't see any guys in the Diamondbacks that are just there for like their defense or something like that. Every one of the Diamondbacks lineup is hitting. Well, our catchers are kind of all there for defense because really well, none of them are good at hitting. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, John Ryan Murphy has showed he's probably our best offensive catcher, and Avila was raking before he got injured for for, for uh, trotting around the bases on a home run. But then Carson Kelly, uh, a lot of people have compared him to Buster Posey. Obviously, uh, he's not going to be ever be as good as Buster Posey, just to be, just be, to be frank. But I can see a lot of that in his swing, and obviously he's he's a great defensive catcher. That's one of the reasons why they targeted him in that goal trade. Dimebacks and Braves still tied at 1-1, by the way, in the top of the seventh. So that's kind of one of the reasons why they targeted Carson Kelly is for his defense. He's got a great arm back there, and he's only – I'm pretty sure he's only 25. And, you know, he worked with Yadier Molina a little bit. And, I'm, man, man, that Luke Weaver uh, – that Luke Weaver-Carson Kelly battery combo – that is just absolutely deadly. That's going to be haunting uh, National League West teams for years to come. I mean, the, the way Luke Weaver has been pitching this year and, and that he's still pretty young and he still hasn't gotten, uh, you know, super consistent major league time, he 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 has been really impressing. And it's and not saying the Diamondbacks have won that Goldschmidt trade yet. Obviously, the Cardinals got a, a, the best first baseman in the game when they when they traded for Goldschmidt. But all I'm saying is the guys we got back, they're pretty they're pretty damn good too. Yeah, they're they're definitely looking good, and hopefully, um, maybe Andy Young can be a, come up and do something in a few years. But Luke Weaver's been pitching a lot better than I expected, and Carson Kelly just hit his first home run, I think on Saturday. And yeah, just, Saturday. I mean, yeah, and uh, they're just they're showing that they're coming. They come here, and they're gonna prove that they're not like junk like a lot of people thought they were, and they're actually doing well compared to a lot of people expected. Yeah. Uh, 22 and 16 so far to uh, so far to start the year. I mean, yeah, they've been really impre- just just coming been coming out of the gates, and they've been they've just been really impressing uh, for sh- like for sure. Uh, next team in the Tampa Bay series wasn't as good. Again, kind of the offense just wasn't re- really able to get anything going. Well, also in that first game when they lost 12 to one, Blake Snell was throwing almost six no hit innings. Uh, and he was just untouchable that night. There was no way they were gonna they were gonna score off Blake Snell. He was just absolutely uh yeah he he was just absolutely on fire there uh, it, but uh yeah so that was a tough loss Dimebacks next day they came back this was actually Taylor Clark's first major league start and although he did get the loss for it, it he pitched pretty well especially in your first major league uh first major league start and he gave up uh, a leadoff home run on the first like on the first the first batter of the game and for a rookie like Clark you know uh, you know, or not for a rookie that card, but for any major league rookie making their first start, obviously that can just be you know demoralizing, and maybe they're, they're gonna get, they're gonna get up, they're gonna get ambushed that game and only get to go like two or three innings. But no, Clark uh, got it together after that. No walks, only two strikeouts, gave up seven hits and, and two runs. Uh, but he did throw six innings, and it was just you know he he got outs. Sure, he he didn't strike out a lot of guys, but he got outs, and that and that's you know what you're paid to do as a pitcher. So yeah. Yoshi had a, Hirano had a pretty bad uh, game, had a pretty bad appearance that game. Uh, yeah, so that that was just not a great game uh, for the Rays. Yeah, they this, had. Was, this I think this game was another product of their three games scared they were on and just not being able to pitch great and not being able to hit uh, the standard that they need to be hitting if their pitching's not doing well. Yeah. 
it seems the Diamondbacks have gotten kind of shut down by some of these top-tier teams. Um, kind of flashback to that Yankees series. Although they did, they did win both games. They only scored three runs in each of them. So you get a you get a full healthy Yankees lineup. Diamondbacks are definitely gonna lose both those games because the Yankees lineup fully healthy is is arguably the best in all all the majors. So yeah, but we'll get into yeah the series finale. This is the game I want. This is the game I want to highlight on. Diamondbacks won this one three to two in 13 innings. This was actually Greg Holland's uh, first blown save as a uh, as a Diamondback. So you know you hate to see that, but. But, uh, yeah, they did end up winning it in 13. This was the game where Archie Bradley fired three scoreless innings. Uh, Chris, if you want to talk me through your uh, thoughts on that game. Um, well, Godley pitched well. He got his first save, and Bradley pitched pretty well, pretty well too. And everyone just pitched – everyone pitched solid uh, and didn't really give up a lot of runs. Two runs given up. A lot of pitchers pitched this game. Not much time for a lot of them. Most pitchers pitch less than an inning, but they just did their jobs, and it's kind of like the game that looks like it's straight out of the Yankees series, where just they only score three runs, but they manage to hold a good lineup to only two runs. Mm-hmm. Wilmer Flores had the uh, go-ahead RBI single in that game, so altogether it wasn't a great series for Tampa Bay, but lucky to get out there at least with one win. Oh uh, yeah, but the Rays are for are for real this year. They have a extremely good team. If they can just avoid injury, knock on wood, uh, they're gonna be really really up there competing in the AL East, depending on, you know, how good the Red Sox can rebound and and uh, all and the the Yankees health too. So, yeah, getting into the game from last night. Now, sure, you look at it just on, on paper, it just looks oh, it's a normal three two win. But I mean, this game, this is the type of game that can that can give the team a, for confidence for the whole season, because the Diamondbacks. They they were tied two two going into the top of the ninth, um, and then Greg Holland gave up a home run to Josh uh, Josh Donaldson. Greg Holland, now I don't want to say uh, it, it's starting to be like Brad Boxberger, but he's given up a run in, in each of his last three appearances, and that's kind of how Boxberger started off. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, we're gonna hit an ad here real quick, and then we're gonna go back uh, finish this recap, and then talk about Dvac's top prospects. Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in to a new episode tomorrow, noon Eastern, Bucko Booth. We have a lot to get into, starting with the series against the St. Louis Cardinals and the two games that have transpired uh, thus far. We had the, the win on Friday night, which the Pirates defeated the Cardinals to get back over 500, and then they had Joe Musgrove throw a clunker on Thursday night, giving up eight earned runs. What is this Pirates team, and how can they get back to their winning ways? We dive into all of that and tell you when we can expect some of the injured players to return. All this and much more this Saturday, tomorrow afternoon, noon Eastern, Bucket Booth. I'll let you get back to this show, but I want to see you there. Noon Eastern, Bucket Booth. Check us out. And welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. Again, that call-in number uh, is 845-277-9345. You want to call in uh, during the show, talk about whatever you want, talk about the D-backs, anything like that. Uh, those dial that number. Yeah, anyway, getting into last night's game, obviously, yeah, Diamondbacks won that one 3-2. Uh, to two. Um, And, yeah, this, again, t- tied 2-2 in the top of the ninth. Greg Holm gives up his first home run. 
or his, his, his first uh, – no, he has, gives up a home run to Josh Donaldson. Um, but then – so they were down – Diamondbacks were down to the, to the last three outs in the bottom of the ninth. And the Braves, for some reason, they had – the Diamondbacks had a lefty switch, lefty uh, 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 one, two, three coming up in the bottom of the ninth. Braves don't go to A.J. Mincer, which is kind of – he's kind of been their preseason uh, – kind of been one of their uh, top open arms. Well, preseason he was. He's been terrible this year, but – they don't go to him. They said they go to the right-hander, Luke Jackson. He gets the first two outs, but then on David, David Peralta, on a 2-1, I think it was a 2-1 pitch, he actually launched a curveball. He threw the bat uh, over into the dugout. I mean, it was just a, it was just an, an impressive moonshot way out to right field. And Yeah, and that's the game. That's, that's, what, that's what tied it. Now, sure, uh, is, is Chris there, or are we still going through some difficult technical difficulties? All right. Oh, well, we're still waiting on Chris to get back here. Yeah, a com- there's a comment on the D-backs on one of the D-backs posts about David Peralta's bat flip. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say their name, but I'm just gonna read it because I want to talk about this. He said, "I don't want to be that guy, but drop the but drop the bat and run the bases like you've been there before, and we'll be there there again soon." He's asking to be plunked by the Braves today. I don't expect him to be Goldie, and I know we were spoiled for years, but this is one of the, the scenarios where I wish Paul, Peralta would have followed that example. And it's like, okay, there's a certain point. Obviously, you don't want to be doing cartwheels out there after you hit a after you hit a home run. But like, when you hit a game tying home run in the ninth inning, in a game that that you know it looked like it was over after Josh Donaldson hit that go at home home run in the top of the ninth, and you launch one out of here, I mean you're gonna flip, you're you're gonna, you're gonna flip the bat. And it's, it was it wasn't even that disrespectful. It was just a bat flip. And it's like if you don't want him to bat flip, don't give up a game tying home run. It's just like I hate this old mentality in baseball, where it's just like you have to oh, put your head down and run the bases. It's like. No, if you want the game to be exciting, and you want baseball talks to be relevant, and not die out because everyone thinks it's just for old people. You know, you, you should, you're going to need to encourage all this entertainment and bat flipping and all the, all, all the like stuff like that. But yeah, anyway, moving on from that, Diamondbacks, and then in the bottom of the tenth, then they brought in uh, AJ Minter versus a bunch of righties. So I don't know what the what the Braves uh, manager's thinking right there, but yeah. Anyway, Mar- Till Marte had a had a blue block off single. And the Diamondbacks won that one three to two. Overall, a very exciting game, and just it was, it, you know, it's certain games where you get, it's just uh, certain games like that where there's just a lot of emotions involved, and you come out with a win like that, and and boom, and then yeah, uh, Chris, your thoughts on that game? Um, yeah, I thought that was a good game. Uh, everyone really pitched well. Uh, only one run from every pitcher. Weaver with seven solid innings, and then. Andrees did well in this game too, uh, throwing a scoreless thing. And uh, Duplantier with his first win was great. But I don't know what the Braves said. We're thinking there's three guys that probably could have and should have caught that ball. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, but we'll take the win. Yeah, for I mean for sure you all you're when whenever you get a win at home, and especially a late comeback when you're always going to take it. Um, yeah, John Duplantier also got his first major league win. He pitched a scoreless top half of the tenth. I mean, John Duplantier, he's thrown nine nine scoreless innings, but in those nine innings, there's been some dramatics. Especially remember that there was that Cubs series where he had the bases loaded with one out, and he got out of that situation. It was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had no outs at the start of that. Oh, it was no outs. Well, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he's been an escape artist. In the in the game last night, he had two outs. Yeah, he had two outs in the uh, in the top of the tenth with two on, and he got out of that. I mean, he's just been he's just been shutting it down, especially I mean, for a rookie. Now, I don't want to say it's like beginner's hook or something, but I mean, just from the the way I've been watching him pitch, he's got that deadly stinger he can go to. He's got a lot of uh, filthy pitches, 
he is I think it's time for him to start. And you know, Diamondbacks they optioned they optioned Taylor Clark back down and they're still kinda of questioning who is going to be starting I uh whatever hit what 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 date would that be? That I think it's next month uh Sunday or maybe what whenever uh the next start date is for uh Taylor Clark's previous spot. I think John Duplantier is ready to go. I think uh I think yeah, I think this is the time where he actually gets a major league start so we can actually see him in full action and not just in late innings and relief. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but a a pitcher like him where they can go multiple innings and like games is kind of what we're missing right now because we really only have Matt Andrees and Duplantier is 0-8. Batters are 0-8 against him when there's runners in scoring position. So he can come in and take up a lot of innings and, I think uh, Taylor Clark did really well against the Rays. I think they should give him another shot in that starting role. But I, yeah. I, I like Duplantier and Clark. I think they should both be in the majors. Well, we we do have uh, Zach Godley in the bullpen now, so he can definitely eat up some innings. Yeah, and, and Andres and, and guys like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's at least time for Duplantier to get to get a start. At least, I mean, he he he's definitely going to be well well enough rested for for uh, whenever the next uh, spot is, but. Yeah, I think it's just time. I don't know why the D-backs are waiting. I think this is the time where they where he needs to actually get an ability to show what he's got. So yeah, moving on from that. Also, just wanted to comment. Yeah, Luke Weaver, seven seven innings, one run. I mean, he's just been balling out this year against a powerful Braves lineup. Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Josh Donaldson. He has been he's been so fun to watch this year. I cannot wait for what for how he's going to be in a few years when the Diamondbacks hopefully are competing. Some of these top prospects are filtering their way into the majors. Uh, but we're going to get into our next topic here about the Diamondbacks top five prospect that could help them in 2019. Now, you know, obviously these guys aren't going to get called up tomorrow. It's going to take some time and depending on injuries or how people players do, some of these guys may not even be called up to the majors, but uh, I just want to start it off obviously with the, with the two guys that I've already seen some major league time and who are probably going to be, uh, staples on the roster coming up here pretty soon, and that is John Duplantier and Taylor Clark, both both, uh, both right-handed starting pitchers. Start off with Duplantier, 24-year-old. He's out of actually he's out of uh, Newark, Delaware. So actually, uh, Newark, same, New Jersey, isn't it? It, it? it said Delaware on it, it's a, it's like on the border, but same same state where uh, actually Paul Goldschmidt came from. So I guess yeah, Delaware and. and there's actually been a pretty decent amount of uh, players from the from that northeast region. Uh, Nick Ahmed is from Massachusetts, and well, AJ Pollock was from Connecticut, but he's not anymore. So, I mean, he's I don't not know from if they got anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they got a, a pipeline going there, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, drafted in third round of 2016 out of Rice University. He's a six four, two hundred twenty five pound right hander. Yeah, and again this year, nine innings, a zero ERA, and he's been a, that escape artist that they've needed in extra innings and and and. Uh, and he's also just kind of a, a rest guy. He's been up and down uh, from here to Reno throughout the year. But, I mean, yeah, I think at some point injuries are going to happen. And I think uh, John Duplantier is going to get a, a, a good spot in the rotation or at least as a long man in the bullpen. I think this is the time. He's 24, so he's not a super young prospect. But I think this is definitely the time where he needs to actually start uh, – where he needs to start getting the uh, – start getting his action. Yeah, yeah. they both – both pitchers, especially Duplantier, they've shown that they're uh, everyone expected them to do good this year. I didn't really see them getting called up so early, but uh, 
they're doing well in their uh, time that they're getting up in the majors now. And uh, I, I really like Duplantis here. I think earlier I said that I don't think he could be an ace, but the way he's been pitching in nine innings with no runs, especially in those high-intensity situations, like the, he's pitched a lot of extra innings and the close games. I, I definitely think he has potential to do good things in the majors. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got that weird, you know, uh, long extended, like, uh, delivery. I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like a little Sergio Romo in his delivery, but yeah. Yeah, he's going to get he's gonna get his time here pretty soon. Next uh, prospect is Taylor Clark, who had that, you know, had that pretty solid uh, start against the uh, against the Rays in his debut. Went six innings in that one, only gave up two runs. He uh, features a fastball slider changeup and curve, that fastball topping up at about 93. Uh, yeah, he, I don't really see him as an ace. I don't think he really has ace stuff, but I think he can be, you know, a solid three or four starter in the, in the rotation. Uh, maybe he's probably starting next year. I think is when he gets his, the full. Uh, is when he get, you know, is when he when he's going to be in there for uh, full time. But yeah. Yeah, Taylor Clark, uh, six innings and only two earned runs against one of the hottest lineups in baseball. It, imagine what he can do to teams that really don't have any great hitters. Uh, I definitely think he can be a good starter in the future. Mm-hmm. I, he's definitely going to be a, a four or five guy though, and uh, nothing amazing, but he'll have he'll have a good career number wise. Mm-hmm. Third prospect we're going to talk about here: catcher Dalton Varsho. Um, I'm just going to read a quote here from MLB.com. Varsho is is athletic enough for the outfield if he can't stick behind the plate, and some believe he could even handle second base. Regardless of his future defensive home, Varsho has a bright future in the big league, big leagues with his bad athleticism and baseball IQ. He is actually ranked as the number six catching prospect. Uh, in, I think that was preseason he was, but yeah. Uh, he's definitely known for his bat, left-handed bat. Um, you know, he's got a short, strong uh, stroke from left-handed side, is what they said on uh, MLB.com. But yeah, he, he's, he's been playing in the fall league. He is going to probably be the catcher. Him and I think him and Kelly are going to be the catchers of the future, and who knows? Yep, yeah, I mean it also says Varsho, uh, they also think Varsho could play the outfield and maybe in second base, so he can maybe maybe be a kind of like a Blake Swihart in that in that sense. Uh, um, I could see him being like a Schwarber. Schwarber kind of started out as an office career as a catcher, and then they transfer transferred him to the outfield. So uh, I could definitely see him doing that yeah. too. Yeah, I think he's. I don't think he's going to call the this year, but probably not as a September call up. But I think 2020 is going to be the year because you're going to have guys like Avilo leaving, and who knows if they what happens with John Ryan Murphy, guys like that. So I think Varsho is definitely going to get his his, his call up up possibly this year, just depending on how you know the season goes and if they want to add him, everything like that. But yeah, and then our fifth and final, or actually our fourth and fourth uh, pitcher here, right-handed pitcher Matt Tabor who we actually interviewed here on Rattle Up a few months ago. He was their third-round pick in 2017. He's a six foot two, 180-pound right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's also out of Massachusetts, him and, and Nick Ahmed. In his A-ball debut this year, he was fired four innings, only gave one hit and seven strikeouts. So, you know, that's pretty good to see uh, four scoreless innings in, in your debut for the season. So, I mean, yeah, he's still, he's still a, pretty, a pretty long ways away. I don't think he's going to be called up this year, but I just wanted to put him on here because, you know, we interviewed him on on the podcast. He's, he's a cool dude. So, yeah, Matt Tabor is going to be number four. And um, I think a guy that can benefit the Diamondbacks is uh, 
Josh Chisholm, uh, he's definitely one of our top prospects, top 100 in the MLB. He's a good infielder, and I think he, uh, he we don't really have a spot for him now, but in a, next year, maybe September, he could definitely do a lot of a lot of, uh, some good things for our team. Yeah, he has nine home runs currently. He, the stats aren't very good, but he was on an early season slump, but he's been raking at, at September since then. He's from the Bahamas. He's a 21-year-old. We got him as an international free agent, and he doesn't have a lot of power, only a 5'11", 165. He doesn't have a lot of size, but he's got a lot of power, and you know maybe you can play him at short at a second base and once, once Flores leaves and keep Marte in center field. They're, they're, they'll, they'll find a way. Maybe play him at third base, something like that. But Dimebacks will definitely find a way because he is the number one prospect, and he's definitely going to get playing time here pretty soon. Could he get a call up this year, depending on how, you know, just as you know he develops everything, but yeah. Anyway, that is going to wrap it up for the show tonight. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We will catch you guys next Friday. Diamondbacks, again, still currently playing the Braves. Uh, it is yeah, tied at 1-1 going into the eighth inning. We will catch you later. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Rattle Up is produced by Benson Fector. Rattle Up is a Baseball Podcast Network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Chris Sumner at Chris underscore Sumner 710 and Blake Warner at Everything D-backs. Be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all our social media platforms as well. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D. CAS1, SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network, and YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.